Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel episodes and TV series as they are released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. All right, guys, we're back. Let's do some quick intros because I just want to jump into this right away. First off, I'm Elizabeth Pfeiffer, the senior editor of Boardwalk Times. I'm Muska Lumi, a contributor for the Boardwalk Times. And I'm Julia Sorgi, contributor of the Boardwalk Times. Today, we will be breaking down WandaVision's seventh episode, Breaking the Fourth Wall, as a part of our wonderful World of WandaVision series. So if you haven't watched WandaVision episode seven yet, stop listening now because there will be spoilers ahead. Y'all, we're getting down to the wire here. In this episode, we're finally whisked back to the modern era of television, getting an office slash modern family style TV show. We're talking talking head segments, that mockumentary style. It's just, we're back to the 2010s. We follow Wanda as her mental state takes a turn. Monica has a epic transformation as she re-enters Westview and Vision makes a new friend. And we're learning more about some characters that we didn't previously know before. There's a ton to break down here. So Muska, Julia, let's get started. What were your initial reactions to the episode? Oh, so I think in uh, if you're just watching it, it kind of feels like a filler episode, right? In the beginning, uh, you're kind of watching Wanda seemingly start to break down, especially when we'll, we'll get to it with that antidepressant commercial, which I think fit perfectly into the show. Uh, but I think it's really more of an interesting look at the characters. I love The Office. I love Modern Family. So I love those little side interviews that they do because you not only do you get another look at the character, but it's interesting when you watch the interview at the interview ask a question of herself and it's like, oh, you're not supposed to talk and you're wondering what's really happening in the world. So there's little moments like that where it really just continues to draw you in and that's what the show has been doing all along. So it's just another part of that. I agree. I kind of started off the episode and I was like, I don't know if I like this that much, even even though it was, you know, office inspired and I really liked the intro just because it did feel like a filler episode. And I didn't know what it would have to contribute because some of my favorite elements that I was excited for in the previous episode, um, the beginning of this didn't really include. We don't have Pietro. He's missing in the, um, the, actually the whole episode. And um, we have this mysterious person Monica's talking to, and then we go, I, I don't know if I missed it, but I didn't really catch the relation with her and Monica. And then there was just a bunch of other things that I kind of felt, oh, Vision being away from Wanda and them not really confronting. But I started to get more excited just because the anticipation was building and I feel like I say that in every episode but in this one went the significant um slow pace to the beginning and so you can you can tell more when something is gonna happen and I, I wasn't in I wasn't expecting them to introduce Mephisto or you know the inklings of it yeah you make a really good point of you know, we're back in this 2010s era and we are like trying to find that balance and it feels a little slow because that's what we're used to in our television nowadays. Like we were just in the 2010s. We know how film is or TV is. So we're really used to it. So that was something that I was worried about. Okay, we're 
in the 2010s and this is like height of Marvel movies so far. So how are they going to find that difference? And I think they found a really good difference in that mockumentary style television show. And yeah, there's just like a ton to break down about this entire episode because you're right. It did feel like a filler at first and I was a little disappointed, but we're getting down to the wire here. And then a lot happened. Like a lot happened kind of at the end too. And I suppose we'll get to that. But one of my favorite lines happened in the beginning because we're in the 2010s. And then she says, you know, I'm going to have a quarantine style day to myself. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. But even then what I thought more interesting is that she says, you know, I'm going to have a quarantine style day to myself. And then she still can't get away from people. She still can't get away from the people that are still continuously asking questions and uh, which I thought was really kind of, I don't know, says a lot, but also more interesting to the episode itself. It kind of felt like she was breaking the fourth wall, but another fourth wall, like if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That I just clicked, that just clicked in my brain, but that was really funny too. You're so right. Oh my gosh. Um, so let's just dive right into the beginning. And I would love to talk about the theme song because it seemed very simple, but I think that there's a lot to break down. The entire theme song, it just says Wanda. We see that separation of Wanda and Vision in the last episode. So they are making that very apparent in this. And then it goes into the title, WandaVision, and then created by Wanda Maximoff. But is it? I love that we both had to pause there because we keep we all keep hinting at this ending and what's really causing this world. And the theme song, when I go back and think about it, does such a good job of setting up that what if. And I mean, Wanda says, I'm looking over my notes now. Wanda says multiple times, I don't know what's happening. I'm fine but I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and I think we've all done that before, making it the mockumentary style way more relatable than it needed to be. But it was so perfect to what, just a glimpse of what she's really thinking and feeling. I definitely noticed uh, being di- the intro being different and is especially the fact that Vision's name is lacking in it. That's when I was like, oh, I'm starting to get a little worried. <laughs> but... Uh, obviously in the episode I think there's that disconnect that's showing that we kind of see like oh Wanda is no longer tied to just Vision in this series I should say. I'm excited to see what they do with Vision himself because his uh, his scenes kind of um, were lacking for me in this episode. He, he got like two but I just felt like I wanted more because this is when he's, you know, n- getting to know everything and he's finding out and he, you know, Darcy's telling him basically how he dies and that he, all of these things. And I, I, I do like the moment where he's like sitting down and, in an interview because I was like, okay, please don't tell me that you're not going to use some of like some of that mockumentary style on vision because I feel like he would have been the best person for that because he's because vision has been doing that a little bit in the previous episode where he'll look like directly into the camera and it'll be like I'm terrified and that wasn't even you know in a mockumentary but this time they do have that one scene where he's like why why am I sitting here talking to you and then you see him take action um but I just feel like I I want to see, I want to see what they do as an end result just because the, uh, in last episode, I was talking about how I wanted to be a love story, and and they kind of um, they kind of settled on that because Darcy tells him, like, 
she loves you. You guys, I've seen it. You are in love. And I thought it was really sweet. It was so interesting that you mentioned that because I looked at that scene and I was immediately thinking, does he, does he believe that? Because there, he took that moment to pause and I was wondering if he, in his mind, was he thinking, is this even real? Is what I'm learning about real? Should I have been dead this entire time? Is our love real if you would bring me back from the dead and not inform me of what's happening? He's been living in bizarre world pretty much. So I was just, I, he he didn't even respond when she said that which made me think does does he even love her right now yeah you're so right and it's interesting we have all of these unanswered questions about what's going on in his mind but he was still interviewing and giving those thoughts out loud so there's definitely a lot we still need to learn and I'm wondering if No, I'm not wondering. I'm positive that we are just going to be like full Marvel next week that this whole sitcom thing is over. Um, So we're not going to get that chance to get Vision's raw feelings or anybody's raw feelings for that matter. And that that kind of saddens me because I really if if anyone has been listening to my episodes, they'll know that the part of the episodes I enjoy the most are the sitcom portion of the episodes. Because I feel like it's not, it doesn't feel like Marvel cheesiness and it doesn't feel like cliche. It's creative and I'm enjoying it. And I think that they've played their strengths, which on a side note, I remember talking to like people. I was like, oh, like I really enjoyed WandaVision, like blah, blah. And like, I don't really like it. I was like, oh, like, I'm like, what don't you like about it? And they say, they they tell me, they're like, I've only seen one episode. I I think I I think I was just like, all right, your opinion is irrelevant to me right now. Would you only watch the first quarter of a movie and then decide if you like the movie or not from there? No, you gotta watch more. Exactly. And I I know a lot of people have some problems with Marvel and like oh, they do the same things over and over again, which to each their own. But I think when you hear collectively that everyone's like, oh, this is a very creative thing that they're doing. Uh, I I would want to check it out for myself and give it a try and see what's going on. I really don't know why the sitcom portion of like the first episode was throwing people off because for me, it was more intriguing. I, I, I thought they really played that well where it's like, yeah, this is, this is just a sitcom. And you kind of are like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. And it's just two characters from the Marvel universe. You're like, yeah, sure, this is fine. And it progressively gets weirder. So f- I don't know. For me, any of the people who are, have been quick to judge this it is just astounding. Well, it's funny because from what I understand, a lot of people didn't like the first season of Office. And that ran for how many seasons? So... <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show things get better over time. And I mean, clearly from my nine or 10 notes here, it just got way more intriguing, way more interesting as it went along. And Marvel has that power to do that. It has that power to keep audiences intrigued. So I'm just glad we get to talk about it. Exactly. And because Marvel is so established, they have that freedom to have that creativity that they're doing with this show. And with the beginning of the new phase, they have to kick it off for everything else that's coming after this and open up that multiverse. I mean, it's opening now. We see it. And I think that this was just a cool way to do it. What you were saying, Muska, like 
you know, there are some cliches and I'm glad that they're stepping away from that um, and doing that whole sitcom thing. Speaking of sitcoms, things right at the beginning of the episode are going haywire. We see Wanda's mental health is struggling to say the least. And things are going a little haywire in the WandaVision household. Things are reverting back to different decades. I just enjoy that she calls it a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Wouldn't you all like to revert back to the weekend or something like that? But I mean, yeah, it, and the show's not even broadcasting. It's a sword. It's dead air. So there's a whole slew of problems that probably Wanda doesn't even realize. She doesn't know that the show's not airing. I really liked how they played this because in the beginning... Um... I, I like her interaction with the kids and her kids being very a- like actively worried about her. Mm-hmm. And I liked that the, the glitching was shown in her power because then later on, I think you obviously notice the lack of glitching. Um, so I really liked that portion. And that's what I mean. The first half felt slow, but then as soon as like it kind of connected the dots for the second half, like, okay, um, I think this is really picking up. But I, I also enjoyed um, just letting Wanda kind of play off on her own in the beginning. Like, I, I like how she, they show her actively freaking out, like the milk glitching. And then you see her like smell it. And she's like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's how I know you're struggling. You're fine with drinking spoiled milk. But I I like those little moments in between when she they they allow her to like show vulnerability and like okay I I am losing it and she's being vulnerable with the kids too because she makes a comment like about Pietro he is not your uncle to the kids which I think is crazy because she's been trying to shelter them this entire series up until now this seems like her breaking point, which is a very subtle breaking point. I thought there was going to be more of an explosion. Maybe we'll see that more in the next episode, but it's very subtle, like a real freak out in a sitcom and a real freak out in real life too. Sometimes it looks subtle, but on the inside, it's going crazy. And so she kind of breaks and tells her kids, he's not your uncle. She says he's not your uncle. And then she goes to say everything is meaningless. (laughs) And then she wonders if she goes too dark and the kids are standing right there. Be like, I don't know what you're doing. What do, what do you mean? Like he's that life's meaningless. What's happening here? And they're yeah. clearly worried. Mm-hmm. And in the comics, they say it's a really dark story. Like Elizabeth Olsen has said in interviews, oh, this, this is like dark, this like plot in the comics. So it's, it's a little meta too. Like, oh, are we getting a little too dark here? Yeah, it's like the the day the age old passing off as a joke, which is very 2010s, very 2020s. Like I'm fine, life's fine, life's wonderful, and everyone around you is like, I don't think so. <laughs> Everything is great, and it's fine, and we're gonna survive. So, so currently, basically, right? Yeah, um, and it's interesting that she makes a reference to quarantine also. Because it suggests that we're not even in the 2010s anymore at this point of sitcom era, even though it's clearly very much The Office, very much Modern Family, and those hit like their strides in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. It's a little inconsistency, but I think that they're trying to be current and make all of those hip references. And that's part of the whole idea of the sitcom, too, because um, Agnes even says, oh, don't want her to cut her own bangs 
And what I think it's not, maybe I'm going too deep here, but the breaking the fourth wall, but also um, breaking the fourth wall to our time zone or our, our day and age, which is, I think is kind of a weird idea because not that Marvel is supposed to be in our universe, but kind of, you know, in our modern day time, they're just in an alternate universe. So, and then the world is glitching in itself. So maybe it's like glitching in time too, not just with the sitcom, but in modern day. That's a good point because I don't know how much I actually liked that whole quarantine line. It's like, I'm trying to be in the Marvel universe right now, not my own. Mm. So you make a good point. There is a multiverse. Things could be glitching. Things do seem to be glitching, but we'll get into that later. So Wanda's going crazy and we cut to Vision who has just woken up after the borders have been expanded and he seems very fine and put together, but he's in the middle of a circus and he goes and finds a new friend, Darcy, the escape artist. I think that was such a cool way to transform that. Like we were so worried about her and then she just like pops off all her chains my so she, he tries to have a conversation with her and what I'm wondering is why didn't he immediately go to like tap her mind but he doesn't he tries to talk with her as if she's a normal person but clearly she's not she's been transformed into this universe so I I wrote down the line where he's trying to like talk to her um and she goes fine I'll go out with you but I'm ordering the lobster and I thought that was so funny I was like could that get any more 2010s like this I, I really like Darcy. I don't know why. I have no explanation. Just for the fact that like, okay, yeah, she might be the cheesy sidekick, but that was, she just had really good lines in this mm-hmm. show. I loved her banter with Vision and then he taps her mind and she's just like, oh, that was not fun. I'm like, Monica makes this whole ordeal where she's like, you know, I, I felt like so out of it. And I don't know, for me, at least in the previous episodes, we give like a bigger like spot, like, oh, Monica, how was it like? And obviously, because she was the only one in there that got out. But Darcy's just kind of like, oh, that that was not fun. And then, you know, she just like kind of snaps out of it. Or maybe it helps because she actually knows what's going on. There, then there's that other part where what as soon as he zaps her mind um, and she's you know okay and then the, the guy is trying to get them back like on stage which I thought was really not like fourth wally but kind of funny because what happens when characters don't go on stage and they're kind of on stage the whole time in this universe and they're trying to you know x-nay that and run away True. I don't know I, I thought, like they were trying I don't know I'm reading way too much into the fourth wall thing but what happens when they don't go on stage and they're just running away that's a really good catch I didn't even think about that another thing is Wanda was trying to keep them from going home or we don't know if it was Wanda actually now that I think of it some force was trying to keep Vision and Darcy from getting back into like into town back to Vision's house so maybe that circus person trying to get them to go on stage was just another distraction like that construction and the crossing of the street I did not think about that. I was honestly just imagining that not being able to cross the street was just straight out of 2010 sitcom, but it definitely had like a double meaning to not trying to get, I mean, if what we think has been maybe controlling the universe the whole time, had a play in keeping him behind, keeping the two of them behind, if this person really knows what's going on, then totally, it just worked out. They made it into this 2010 sitcom thing, but there's definitely a double meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, Marvel loves double meetings and 
things with multiple interpretations. So there's no doubt in my mind that we're both right in this for sure. I mean, it is Hayward's men that are trying to keep them back. True, but are they really Hayward's men at this point? Because even Darcy didn't remember what was going on and she had all of the background information until she went through the border again. Yeah, but Mm. I feel like a segment of their personality is coming through in this kind of way. That's why they're clowns and that's why it's a circus. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so good. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, that's why she's an escape artist, because, you know, she is breaking out. I don't know, a little bit. I just feel like what Julia said has, like, now making me think that maybe it's because they're subconsciously trying to get them to, like, be like, okay, we can't let them prosper, even though they're not aware. I don't know, would Wanda allow that? I don't know, because I was wondering, in earlier episodes we saw, I don't remember his name, but the guy, when Vision first finds out that the people are kind of like being mind controlled, and he zaps the guy at the office, and he starts talking like, oh my gosh, like, you got to get me out of here. So I wonder if there's, if they do understand what's going on. I'm still trying to understand the mind control where they, they are acting right in this whole show, but they kind of get a sense of what's going on. And we see that happening with Agnes too, which is like, you got to get me out of here. I need help. I, I don't have control over anything. Very true. But does she have control? I want to talk about Hayward. We were just talking about his men. So let's talk about him and this plan that he has to bring back Vision. Uh, the mission is called Cataract, which I think is not a coincidence. What do you guys think of that whole ordeal? I doubt. De- I think a lot of people called it because I remember I saw a couple of theories and a lot of people were like, hey, I think Vision, like Wanda didn't steal Vision. She was protecting him. And honestly, that kind of aligns with who Wanda is just because we saw her in this like emotional battle in Infinity War where she's like killing the person she loves and then it just rewinds and it's just to watch him die all over again she she wants to protect vision um so did she steal him for her own personal gain or did she know what was going on in the first place personally i think that maybe she didn't really know and this was more of a selfish thing because um monica says to her during a conversation don't let them or she says to wanda don't let them make you the villain and she goes maybe i already am I think that was, I think that line is more in the moment of her not understanding what's happening. Um, yes, I, she didn't mean to make the, the world shake or um, like her brother come back. And I think maybe that's where the villainous part that her mind where she's thinking with him, really with him last week and this week, she's felt like she's losing control. She, where she had everything under control from episodes like one through three, four, that kind of thing. Um, I think the word villain is more synonymous with like nefarious activity and this was more of a selfish activity I think it's something we've definitely thought about we've ever lost a relative like can I bring them back I wish I could bring them back and she's living in a universe where she totally has that power I get it um but you know sometimes it makes me think of like genie with Aladdin it's like my one of my rules is I can't bring people back back from the dead I'm not doing it so it's like should you bring people back from the dead probably not but is it villainous to want to do that? Or is it villainous to be able to do that? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, we think of, you're right, villains as just terribly evil people when in reality they just like want what they want and the difference between like a hero and a villain is that a villain is willing to do anything to do that even if it's bad but a hero wants what they want too but it's just that fine line and yeah she brings him back and Hayward was trying to do that already with Vision Mm -hmm. but why I mean he's like a superhuman computer weapon thing so I'm wondering if Hayward just wants that asset for sword or if there's something else going on I read a theory online that Hayward and this Pietro this Quicksilver might be from the same multiverse and working together for some reason um that theory might not be real anymore after this post or this mid-credit scene but really you can't take anything off the table um think that Hayward has ulterior motives it fits his character and I I would appreciate if they showed that there's villains on both sides just because that's always a that's always a good factor to keep in mind that not everything is good and evil let's talk about this commercial before we dive into just the absolute insanity that was the second half of this episode. So we get advertised a medication, very 2010s, that I think that was really perfect. And it was an antidepressant called Nexus. And the catchphrase was like, when the world doesn't revolve around you, or does it? What do you guys think of this commercial? I I loved the side effects. The fueling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, possibly more depression. <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of these antidepressants are known to cause even worse side effects than the thing that they're trying to solve, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I, thought, I thought it was like perfect right in the middle because it comes right after that line that she says, you're not supposed to talk and it immediately cuts the commercial, which I thought was brilliant. And as soon as I saw the antidepressant commercial, I was thinking how many times have I seen a commercial exactly like this? growing up or even now I mean they haven't changed much the word nexus in this commercial is really the key easter egg here I didn't really know what it meant so I had to do a little a little wiki search little marvel fandom search because this is actually really big so nexus refers to two different things kind of the same the first one is nexus beings and scarlet witch is a nexus being and they're like rare individual entities with the ability to affect probability and thus the future thereby altering the flow of the universal time stream so they are like keystones of the multiverse and they're crucial to its ultimate like coherence and stability and they also have the potential to produce unbelievably powerful offspring so it's very clear that this nexus antidepressant without even knowing really what Nexus was, that this is this is advertised to Wanda right now, but it has that really big, like, hey, multiverse. Um, we're really getting set up for Doctor Strange in this. Um, and then there's a reference to the Nexus of all worlds, which is just more like multiverse stuff, which is crazy. So what do you guys think of this like huge clue literally being handed to us about the multiverse? 
I think we've had the stepping stones for the multiverse in almost every episode just because but I think it was a lot more subtle in those ones and we were all kind of speculating and theories were going out so I like how they're they're trying to confirm in this one and I don't know I I think that not only was the the commercial just on point for you know the sitcom era but I just appreciate how they're doing every commercial in a way that's impactful to Wanda or like a traumatic event for Wanda and currently her trauma is based in I don't I wouldn't want to say depression but just in the episode's focus that's kind of the main theme so I liked that right after the commercial which I thought was kind of funny but thinking back on it definitely had double meaning too is it cues right to Agnes with the kids and the kids are kind of looking sad and they don't really know, know what's going on. And they try asking Agnes. Um, one of the kids says, you're like, you're quiet, Agnes, like on the inside. And it at first made me think, you know, this is it because she kind of like inside, she knows what's happening. Um, and then it cuts to her being in an interview and it says, you try telling, um, you try telling them that your mother is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And like, I don't know, it stuck out at me because I think back in the 2010, like Cocoa Puffs would have been totally you know, subliminal marketing, right? Someone definitely paid to stick that line in there. But then it felt like a double meaning because did before the mid credit scene or at least the end of the episode, did was it just because Agnes felt like she knew what was going on and she just really couldn't say it. So they stuck the funny line in there to to you know ex- extend the fact that she knows what's going on on the inside and can't really talk about it? Or is it because you know, she's otherworldly and really knows what's going on. I had a strange theory. I know we've been theorizing about her character the whole time, but I was like, oh, maybe she's quiet because she's under Wanda's control and there's no thoughts head empty for all of the residents. But if Billy is freaking out about hearing things all the time, then you know that there's like activity in these residents' brains. And honestly, we've been kind of like working around it, but like it's Agatha Harkness. Like that is Agnes. We said spoiler alert at the beginning. Let's just put it out there. She's a witch. So she has magical powers. And I watch a lot of TV shows where if you have like magical or psychic abilities, you can put up a wall of like charms around your brain so nobody can invade. Um, So I'm thinking that it could be something along those lines. Because clearly we, she has a lot of ways to manipulate the situation, so. I thought exactly the same. Uh, well, at first, I don't know. I started getting uncomfortable because as soon as she took the kids, I was like, it's like that TikTok sound. It's like, oh no. And then just progressively gets worse. So yeah, that was me. Because then she takes the kids. I was like, okay, she has the kids in her house. And then Billy's like, oh, you're quiet. And I'm like, oh my God, here it goes. And then it just you know, and then Wanda comes and they're not there. I was like, okay, this is it. This is the oh no, it happened. But I was, I was really, really concerned just from the beginning because, you know, everything from the beginning of the show, but this kind of settled, like, I was like, okay, like midway through when she took the kids, I was like, okay, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it. I just have a feeling. I know. And it happened. And 
I really liked her intro theme song for her villain. Where she, where she I get the all along. Yep. I I love that aspect of it completely because it was so random. So we're in this. We're like, you know, the suspense is building. We're like, oh my god, where are the twins? And then Wanda, what's gonna happen to her? And then she just randomly goes out into her theme song. And it kind of reminds us, this is still like, we're still playing on a sitcom. Like we're still in this universe and we still have this ability. And I, I commend them for that. I loved it even more. I was just a little quick point. I loved when she turned around in the, the director's interview chair, just at that moment, like showing her asking the question. I thought that was brilliant. Yes, because when that whole interview thing happened, I was like, hmm, who is this interviewer? Is it Mephisto? Is it Pietro? What's going on? And then in that song, which very much 60s vibes, like we're going back to that, like, WandaVision, like, fun theme. I loved it. Um, It was mind-blowing, to say the least, that she's been pulling the strings all along. But I want to backtrack just a little bit. I want to keep talking about Agatha, but we need to talk about Monica for a trunk because her storyline just accelerated this episode um we knew that she was going to get powers at some point um and the mcu her origin story is nearly complete i want to talk about um yeah that transformation and that entire sequence because i think it was so powerful i was really um how do I say it politely I was not vibing with Monica in the first half just because she said a couple um I didn't know what her point was almost because like you know she's having this trade-off whatever it's in it's kind of in the middle of the episode where we're not really sure if this is a filler episode or not and I have to say like when her like, you know, corny lines aside from the first half, when she gets into Westview, I was really excited. Like, it, I think it finally picked up for her, her character. And I like how they show you the kind of change that she's gone through, like the eyes, but then also seeing it from her perspective. And I liked her face off with Wanda. I, I think that was probably like the most, well, first it leads to um, Agatha being revealed and all of that, but it kind of, it kind of made me excited for Monica because, you know, the beginning half, I'm like, okay, I don't really know what, what she's doing. And then in this scene, I'm like, okay, I really, really want to see her her character develop. And I am now invested fully. Yeah, she really comes into her own when she's going back through that like border again. I think the visuals of that were absolutely spectacular. You saw clips of her walking through and then you saw her from when she was in there earlier in the series and you saw clips of her as a child and they also included some quotes from Captain Marvel and mm-hmm. I just think it was a really powerful like this is Monica this is who she is and her mission is clear at this point 
And it's one of the first, when she has that face off with Wanda, it's one of the first real conversations Wanda has with a, a human in the, in her world that she created because Monica can actually understand what's going on. And I love that interaction because they're talking about pain and grief. And Monica says, pain is my truth. Trying to get her to understand that there are stages of grief you need to go through. And sometimes I think they were really the subliminal messaging of talking about vision and needing to let go of someone who's passed on. It's hard. And, you know, Wanda's completely like ignoring that side. And obviously that's how Agnes like gets her away from, you know, like trying to calm her down and things like that. But it's sad because I don't know. I can't tell if Monica got through to her on any sort of level. I don't know. And I think that Wanda and Monica are more similar than we think because they're both dealing with grief just mm-hmm. in very different ways. And I think that now that Wanda is kind of in the clutches of Agatha, maybe she's like, oh, crap, Monica was right. Um, but I also want to mention another thing in their conversation. Wanda thinks that Pietro is swords doing. She said that that was Hayworth. So she already had said earlier in the episode, like, that's not your uncle. And she had no clue how he got there. But then she came to the conclusion that it was sword. Which surprised me because I wouldn't expect Wanda to think that sword had those kinds of abilities. And I think she's just throwing around accusations because it feels right. And then it feels like they would do something like that to manipulate her. But yeah. I, I don't And Sword wouldn't even have that knowledge of them as children. And obviously Wanda was trying to quiz him about all of that in the last episode. But there's just no way that Sword could do that because they couldn't even get their own agents in there successfully. I think she's trying to blame something that she understands is attacking her. Because currently, from her perspective, she doesn't know how this all came about. But she doesn't think that there's anything else inside Westview that's causing a problem or else she would have felt it but she knows of sword and she knows they're interfering so I think that was like the most like logical leap to take for her okay like sword must be doing this like I know that's not Pietro so who else who else could be doing it and then obviously we see it's Agatha um which is interesting in itself I know a lot of people were thinking Pietro might be the villain of the show but I I'm now interested to see his future role in in this universe definitely so let's jump back into the Agatha thing I'm really glad we got to talk about Monica because that whole thing was really cool and I'm very excited to see where her character goes in the rest of this series and you know the rest of her time in the MCU because she'll be back in Captain Marvel too um but yeah Agatha all along that song is a banger it will be stuck in my head for who knows how long probably a very long time and I want to talk about her dungeon for a second it looked like the upside down from Stranger Things to me for like a hot second when she started walking through um just to backtrack a little bit she was looking for her kids um Agatha totally snatched them and we have no clue where they are um and then I wanted to ask you guys there's a book that was kind of highlighted when we got down to the dungeon. What is up with that? I don't know. If, you know, if they're pulling strings from the comic, then I guess a witch would always have like a, like a, not like a talisman, but a witch's book of spells. So I don't, I don't know if it was just a play on that, but the whole basement thing out of a horror movie felt like you know, completely like 2010s related. So I wouldn't be surprised if like a spell book, it felt like, Hocus pocus. hocus pocus. Thank you. Yeah, I got that... it. 
that's that's exactly what the book reminded me of and I know it sounded corny um I'm not sure what it's going to mean later on but it felt like a book of spells and if that's the you know like there's something in there to cure the cure the world or something like that maybe that's where the solution comes to be from her spell book I I also really like that they're um hyping up no, I don't know if hyping up is the right word but they're using magic we this is the universe with superheroes and mm. science and you know all that jazz that they're kind of allowing magic to take the front seat if you will say and um the spell book is just like an or if it is a spell book but I, I you know I feel like we have a stronger inclination that it is um it's just kind of a testament to that that hey there's this whole other part that we haven't even explored or you know this is just touching the surface of it and obviously comic book fans will really know what's up and going on with that but I I just really like how we might get an element of you know Mephisto and all of all of this kind of magic in this realm okay so from a little bit of research that I did about this book Everybody thinks that it is a book called The Darkhold and that it's from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually, which is very interesting. Um, We've talked in previous podcast episodes, couldn't tell you which one, about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and how it's not necessarily canon in the MCU, but now since the multiverse is opening, anything is possible. I used to watch that show. So do you know anything about the dark hole then? No. <laughs> but that's just because I gave up on it like halfway through. So apparently in the original comics, it is, yeah, like I said, it's called the dark hold. And it's also known as the book of sins, which is like a magical textbook that pops up a few times in various stories. And it's written by a demonic elder god called, I have no clue how to pronounce this, Chiton, C-H-T-H-O-N, and was full of magic and impossible to destroy. So we don't really know what that connection is to Wanda. So maybe this character has something to do with it. Okay, so this book, The Darkhold, that everybody thinks and knows that this is, it's not its first MCU appearance. Well, kind of, because this is the most canon universe. It was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it was used in various episodes. Um, And apparently the Ghost Rider hit it somewhere. Um, And it's also appeared slightly in The Runaways and potentially Cloak and Dagger. Um, So like I said, the Darkhold was created by this villain. So maybe Agatha wants to use Wanda to resurrect this guy. I don't know. But I just don't know because we previously talked about Agatha not necessarily being a villain. But then, what's her motive? I'm sure we'll we'll find out. But well, something else. Agatha has been making many references to her husband Ralph throughout the beginning of the series. We were kind of quiet on that, but in one of her interviews today, she did mention Ralph again. So maybe Ralph is this character that I cannot pronounce um, or it has some kind of connection with Mephisto now and 
something has to happen because why would Agatha be messing up Wanda's little perfect world if she didn't want something for herself? And like we did say, she's not necessarily a villain in the comics, but she is more, I'm going to do what I want because I want to kind of a person. Also, we haven't really talked about Mephisto and the fly on the wall, so to say. Because I know a lot of people are like, all right, that was his first introduction in the comic books. That's Mephisto. And obviously they wouldn't have chosen such a like close-up shot of a fly if it didn't mean anything. We all know Marvel at this point. So I think I thought that was an interesting portion. I'm like, all right, let's see. That's like how long are you gonna linger on this fly for us to finally make it click? Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. Everything Marvel does is so intentional. Uh, when that happened, I was like, all right, I'm catching your very obvious drift right now. Oh, finally, this one has been very subtle with its kind of hints. And this one was kind of more of an obvious uh, hint. Like, guys, come on, please, please understand. Pietro's not Mephisto. This <laughs> is like, you know, kind of making people understand. But also, I think... Um, the motive might be the kids because isn't that a big motive in the comics? I don't know. Yeah, Mephisto helps Wanda bring the kids into existence. Yeah, so maybe, and it, it goes to say that they took the kids first, that they thought that um, they're taking it from the comics and the kids are going to be parts of Mephisto. So that could be motive. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's some very grand plan about why these kids were brought into existence and what they need them for. We need to talk about the mid credit scene because there is a lot to unpack. So we're left with Wanda and Agatha and the Darkhold in this room and a fly in this room and the kids are missing. We have no clue where they are. We know that Agatha has been there all along messing with things. And also I wanted to point out that she has like purple power so it's I like that contrast with the red that you can see that it's her the whole time but Marvel has finally introduced the first mid-credit scene in the series because we're kind of left on a little hang as Wanda goes with Agatha and Monica's kind of just like left to her own devices she doesn't get kicked out of Westview Wanda just kind of like is like whatever just gonna get away from you so Monica starts snooping around Agatha's house and sees this little upside down little dungeon. And she turns around and sees Pietro and he goes, Snooper's going to snoop. And that seems very menacing, but is it? I'm curious about your thoughts. Does he work for Agatha? Did he even, he was running really, really fast. Obviously last episode, does, are those powers his? Agatha obviously has the ability to manipulate so many things. So is, is this actually the Quicksilver from the X-Men universe? Or is this some random guy now? I think it would be pretty dumb if they introduced this person from X-Men and we're like, he's just some random dude. Like, that's the only actor we could find on a short notice. I'm pretty sure I, at least I hope, I, I have high expectations for Marvel, but I am pretty sure that he has a he has a reason, a purpose for being there. And 
I think that little mid credit scene between him and Monica is the introduction that Marvel's like, he's not gone. Don't think we forgot about him in this whole episode. Cause that's really what I felt like, oh, you're just going to conveniently forget about him and be like, oh, he's not your uncle and move on. So I like how they kind of introduce that. And I think that he's actually going to be going in with Monica. I don't know. I feel like he has a, at least a reason, like that's his sister. And I think to him still, he might have that kind of feeling. Because if this is the multiverse, then Wanda still is his sister, right? That line though, Snooper's gonna snoop and then it just immediately cuts. It felt so menacing to me. Or I, I, was, I was actually wondering if he was just in the league with Agnes the whole time. Um, I, the, the cut felt like, a, like the end of a horror movie trailer where it's like, oh, like, here's the clincher to get you to like, come see our movie. Is he good or is he bad? You've seen him before, but who knows what's happening now with him. And that was my, my immediate assumption was he might be one of like, the henchmen bad guys. Yeah, that was my immediate thought too. Um, but then I will admit my mind did wander toward Muska's thoughts of like, maybe it's just him being a jokester because we've seen him be a jokester all of last episode. And I think that TV shows have this way of building things up and then immediately bringing them back down in the next episode. So that's why I also have that inclination of maybe he's not the henchman that we think he is, but it was very convincing. Like, why is he conveniently at Agatha's house kind of making sure that nobody's around. The other thing, and maybe I'm just thinking like imagining it right now, but wasn't he wearing purple in that little clip? Didn't he have like some purple atmosphere going? Let me look really quickly. Because that was the other thing in my mind that made me think, because I was I just watched Agnes or Agatha have purple powers. And then I thought maybe, maybe my mind was just, maybe it's also early in the morning, but the purple just kind of made me think that that was the henchman thing. I don't know. So he is wearing a blue jacket and a blue hat and a purple shirt. So you're right, because the last time we saw him, he was in his Halloween costume. So this is a outfit change completely. And he is wearing that iconic Quicksilver blue, but that purple, you're right. And in the first shirt that he was wearing when he made his appearance, I think it was also purple. Really? It had a little blue and some purple on it with his like leather jacket look. So costume design is very intentional. Everything I already said this Marvel does is very intentional. So maybe that purple was a clue all along. That's that's very true. I did not cash that. So good one, Julia. <laughs> I um I'm now thinking about it and uh what Liz said is true. Now I realize that he was kind of lurking around Agatha's house. I'm just not so quick to say that he might be the villain. He might be under Agatha's control in the sense that like he was brought from, pulled from the multiverse and kind of given this kind of person, well, his personality is the same, but you know, plopped in this world for a reason. That I'm, I, I feel like might be what's happening. Because I think they're going to use him. I don't know why. I have a feeling they're going to use him in future things. So they can't make him just kind of like a side piece. 
Definitely. And I'm reading some speculation online right now that maybe when Wanda attacked him in the last episode, it kind of like brought him back into his own mind that he kind of knows what's going on a little more now. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? That would be really cool. I would like that. I don't know. Marvel, you've already made up this whole, you know, series, but that would be really cool. I think that's a cool feature. Be interesting. I mean, we haven't seen him since she blasted him away. So who knows? He could have gotten a mind of his own, but we, we, I think we're still learning how this world works. So if she zapped him out accidentally, then it's entirely possible he's operating under his own mind and body. Yeah, because we've only seen... Oh, go ahead, Muska. I mean, I was just going to say how many episodes are left. Two more episodes left. Dang, because I, I was really hoping that they would might take that time to explore what Quicksilver was going through. But I, I don't think that we have enough time now. I feel like they're going to really dedicate the last two episodes to the, the climax. Definitely. I'm hoping that you know, there, there will be some explanation, but funny kind of side note. I really hope that they do kind of explain his backstory. It wouldn't take too long as we've seen through the series. They can explain things pretty quickly, or at least explain things enough that fans can put the pieces together on their own. But I saw this joke on Twitter that people want Luis from Ant-Man to do one of his little recaps. Um, if anybody, hopefully, um, our listeners know what I'm talking about with Ant-Man because those recaps are so funny with his narrations. That would be a cool recap about Quicksilver's story from his point of view. I know we said that they might not do the whole sitcom thing in the next episode, but oh my god, I'm really hoping they do. I, like it'd be great to cut tension next week, start off look like oh this is just your normal WandaVision episode, and then it kind of cuts to drama, and. Um, I would find it, I would find it interesting they tried incorporating elements of the sitcom within the like conflict happening. I don't know. I feel like they could do really well with that. What's next in line to copy a sitcom or like a theme song in our generation after like The Office or Modern Family? What, what is that next step? Unless we're already in our time zone or in our world. Oh my God. I please do new girl I really would love new girl I feel like that was that was probably just around the same time but a little later right I'd say so definitely oh my imagine god. Wanda as Jess oh that would be so funny oh my god that would be brilliant I oh come on what else do you guys think is going to happen next week I want to get some solid predictions I just hope we get more of Pietro. That's what I'm wanting. That mid credit scene really was just got me going for more of him and more of his character because when we saw him, he was kind of under control of the Westview or maybe he wasn't. I don't know when that whole conversation, it just brought me back to when she was talking to like his brother and that, that scene where she like blasts him away where it's like, I just want to know more. And I'm really hoping that the mid credit scene is just going to point to that in this next episode. Whether if it's like a two minute scene, I don't really care. I just want more of him. We just need the answers. Um, I, I honestly agree. I think that's what I've 
been kind of hinting at that I I want to see more of Pietro in the next episode just because there was such a significant lack of him in this one and it was sorely felt but also next week I want to see Vision kind of come to terms with Wanda being in danger his children that he hasn't really uh, realize if it is his children because he does ask Darcy that like are my kids real um so I kind of want him to come to terms with like they're in danger I know I was under this whole illusion but now what do I do I like that yeah because like we alluded to earlier some force Agatha, they thought it was Wanda, but I think it was Agatha, was trying to stop him from getting there. So this has been a plan all along to get Wanda and the kids. So I think it's time for Vision to step up. And since he knows the truth now, something totally powerful with him is going to happen, I hope. Um, And then last week, you were talking about how this might have to be the end for Vision's story. So we'll see about that within the next two weeks. For me, I want to see Mephisto. I don't know at this point if this is going to happen. I feel like if they were to bring him in for a few episodes, it would have started more heavily today, not just that small little cameo. My prediction is that he will appear at like the last moment of the episode next week, and then we'll just have him full-fledged in that finale. But... I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. I can't wait. We got to wait another seven days for this. It's too long. Why? I know for all of our listeners, we are a very dedicated cast and we all got up at 5 a.m. this morning to watch the episode and record because we all live very busy lives, but we just have to talk about this. That is going to wrap it up for this episode. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for supporting us. And I'm so sad to say that this is my last podcast episode for the wonderful world of WandaVision. And it is also that way for Muska and Julia. So thank you guys for listening to us. But we want to put out there a quick programming announcement from us at the Boardwalk Times. Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is continuing after the wonderful world of WandaVision series. We'll be starting a new podcast season on March 19th called Legacy of That Shield. In each episode, we'll be breaking down, theorizing, and having fun discussing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Be on the lookout for Legacy of That Shield starting on March 19th, which is one month from today, the day we're recording this. So in one month, we will be talking about all things Falcon and Winter Soldier. I am personally very excited for that series. Thank you guys so much for listening to Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. Tune in next week with Giovanni Delgadillo, Julia Delbell, and Troy Hill as we get even closer to the end of this series, WandaVision. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. For more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Boardwalk Times.